What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Cinemates. I'm Mike Jose Collins. Enjoyed with me today is, as always, Jake Schultz. And we are back with another movie review. This time of a uh, movie not yet on streaming, but uh, Apple's... Why, why'd you uh, blank there for a second? I was waiting for the music to stop. Oh, of okay. Apple's um, biggest movie to date, Killers of the Flower Moon. No, hold on. They had Coda. That one, Best Picture. A biggest movie to date. Like budget-wise? Pretty sure. Yes. Bigger budget. $200 million. That's a lot of money. Uh, three hours, 26-minute runtime. I just got out of this thing, came right down to here. Um, I saw this on a Tuesday at 2.30 in the afternoon. Uh, Packed theater, all the elderly, all (laughs) of their phones going off, all of their watches, all of them talking through the whole thing. Absolutely unbearable how entitled all of these old people think they are. Two people in front of me, I actually had to tell them to shut the hell up, and I I was not (laughs) like minced on my words, and they like stood up and like left. Wow, I, I was like, you can't. They were talked. I literally think for the first two hours of the movie, and it's a three and a half hour movie. And I was like, okay, I just, I literally just can't do the, do this anymore. And I was like, you guys need to just shut the hell up because they started complaining because obviously everyone's old, so they're walking in and out also through the whole freaking movie. And it's not in one of the good, good theaters where you go out through the tunnels. There's a door at the back, so this light is just flashing through the whole. Oh time. no, your adversity. Yeah, uh, b- brutal, brutal. I, I also had a similar experience today, too, because I was at the theaters as well, not for this movie. We'll get to it a little bit later, but I had a really bad theater experience. I don't know what it is. It's like the midday. It shouldn't be that bad. But this was like, old people are freaking entitled, man. I went Holy yesterday at 2.30, and it my crowd was fine. It was weird. Someone was snoring behind me, but that was about it. <laughs> Full-on geriatrics in there. That's, anyway. Um, sh- we, shout out old people. Shout out old people. Why don't you give us a rundown of the Martin Scorsese's new film, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, so in the 1920s, members of the Osage Native American tribe of the Osage County, Oklahoma, are murdered after oil is found on their land, and the FBI decides to investigate. Mike, I'm going to give you the reins first, because you just came fresh out of this, so you definitely have a lot to say, don't you? Uh, Yeah. Um... Well, I thought this was this 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 was truly a did not was not what I was expecting from this movie. It it does say it's like a, a Wild West thriller sort of FBI whodunit sort of movie, um, but it it is essentially all of these murders of these Osage people um, for their oil for the land that they're on the head rights, as they're called. Um, and it sets it up as, uh, like, it's going to be another fun Scorsese movie. Oh like, when he, when he steps off the train, he's like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, who plays Ernest Burkhart. Ernest. Um, this is a true story as well. Yes, yeah, it's a true story. Um, and it sets up this, like, this like fun sort of casino type of vibe, like, oh, Wolf of Wall Street-esque, hopping off the train. The music at the beginning is so fun. It really gets you going. And then uh, he meets Robert De Niro. Uh, who plays William Hale, um, and holy crap, <laughs> not a fun movie. No. Uh, this was the most upsetting, emotional, disturbing movie I've seen uh, this year. Um, absolutely uh, just what just destroyed me, to be honest. This was uh, absolutely painful. Um, but they don't decide to frame this movie through the eyes of the Osage people. They frame it through... Um, basically Ernest Burkhart, who was Leonardo DiCaprio's character, and the people around him. So it's based, uh, it's shot through the eyes of the people who are destroying the community that they live in. And uh, personally, I thought that was a great choice. Mm-hmm. I thought that was one, probably the only way you could tell this story yep. theatrically. So I, I actually enjoyed that. I don't know. 
I've seen a lot of outrage online about it being through that perspective, but we'll get into it a little bit later because I don't think this film is for the Osage people. I think it's for like Americans and people around the world because Scorsese is showing you about this. And like, I agree. It's the only perspective really that I could have seen this film take place in. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was—I thought it was beautifully done. Um, first of all, I think from from the way it was shot, from the way it was edited, through the storytelling that d- it decided to go in in sort of odd directions. Um, it, it first, like the first good like act of it, is almost told through lo- a love story esque, and then it's um, it just just changes completely. <laughs> just is not about that at all. Um, but but basically, the whole story is told through Ernest, who um, is kind of an idiot. I think the point of that is all of one of the the tragedies beyond the tragedy that you basically watch on screen is that everybody involved uh, they portray as a dumbass, they portray as a stupid person, and it's supposed to be because listen, all of these idiots were doing this, and nobody cared, nobody said anything. It was all about the compl- complicity of uh, the American people at the time, which I think is a huge story of America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I thought it was brilliant. Um, that's sort of my first my first uh, take here. Um, I thought all the themes were, were great. They were really well done, um, and it, it it frames itself almost like as a whodunit, but uh, more of a whodunit who who done it through the through the conspiracy of the whole thing around the bad guys. Um, so are we going to get into spoilers right away? I mean, this is a historical thing that already happened, so I feel like we could just jump into spoilers here. Yeah, because I think just before spoilers, a lot of what I've seen, a lot of the criticism of the film is the runtime and what everyone's going to talk about is okay this is a three and a half hour movie yes it's three and a half hours yes you feel the length do i feel like it could have been shortened honestly no okay well i feel like that's all let's talk about the actual movie okay let's just get spoilers well what what was your what was your reaction yeah i don't really know what i was expecting going into this film I think I'm pretty with you that I didn't think it was going to be like this because the film, the trailers, do not market this the way that the film is because I get it. The trailers are trying to market you is to go out and see the brand new Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese film and look at this like fun little act. Like No, it's not that at all. This thing is brutal. (laughs) It's a story about evil. It's a literal, like there's the embodiment of evil. Robert De Niro is tremendous in this movie. This is by far the best performance I've seen in him in like two decades probably because I grew up through his comedy era and it's so easy to forget just how talented he is as a drama actor. But that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard somebody say about Robert De Niro. But, you know, because like most people nowadays grow up with him in these crappy garbage comedy films and they don't see just how talented he actually is. Like this is the best film he's done in forever because he is disgusting in this movie, like repulsive. Just the scummiest person you could ever think of is him. And he's so hateable. And the way that he was able to take his character and be a face of the Osage people, but behind the back hated everything about them and just used them as and viewed them as money was really just yeah essentially his character is um he's like basically the osage people's biggest ally but he's yeah. also the person in 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 charge of this conspiracy he's to trying to get all. leo to marry into this family yeah. essentially the movie is leo marries um this this osage what's her name molly molly, molly. played by lily gladstone uh and then basically Robert De Niro is like, okay, he keeps telling him like, you know, once the wives die, then you're going to get them. The money has to go to you. The head, the head rights have to go to, to Molly. They have to go to Molly. They have to go. And essentially he's just trying to kill off this person's family yeah. to get their oil money. Um, 
But uh, since we're talking about De Niro, yeah, this is De Niro is fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it, it comes down to it's about Ernest, who's this idiot, and he's being manipulated by evil through the whole movie. And then basically, the twist is uh, that getting into spoilers. Yeah, the twist is that Ernest was present for killing all these people as well. Essentially, it's Which, not really much of a twist. Well, you don't, you don't really see it coming. It's that is the twist of the movie. Um, which which I thought was brilliant when they actually revealed it, and then you think about all the the scenes that they had where they talk about a Robert De Niro and him, and like his sort of reactions are like, oh, that kind of makes sense why why they sort of came into like that. Um, but it's it's brutal. The whole thing is brutal. Um, and it's yeah, it's about this guy who's clearly been damaged, and he's he's his own person, um, but he's like actively contributing to the evil around this girl that he loves. And he's killing off her family. Uh, it's just a tragic, tragic story. Yeah, what I loved about this is it didn't sensationalize anything as well. It was very often in Hollywood films and Scorsese's films, you would see these like up close shots of these gunshots or like different type of camera angles. No, most of the murders were in like a wide shot, far away. There is no like. But they dramas. are. I will say they are the most brutal Scorsese deaths. Yes, because they're not. They're yeah. not dramatized. And what like, they are right at the beginning, you see like a mother die. Yeah. And just get shot right in the head. Yeah, and that's chest. what the ninety percent of the time it's just that it's the person goes up and just caps them, and the body just falls lifeless, and that's it. And I think that's such an effective storytelling method because it's so reined in, and it's supposed to make you feel so uncomfortable. And that's different because it feels very much like real life. And that's what I liked about this is that Scorsese wasn't holding your hand. He wasn't trying to make it some over-the-top Hollywood spectacle. He was more so just being like, this is brutal. This is what happened. And yeah, I'm not going to sensationalize it. And I love that. I think that was so smart of Scorsese to do that. Yeah. He shows this like very complicated, um, messy love affair. Um, but you never can really be in it like you can never see that relationship to to its full extent because it's it's basically like a power struggle between these two people who who you they do actually love each other molly and ernest um which is like almost more disturbing on, on the fact that he's killing her whole family um for he's also but, poisoning her and he's poisoning her um <laughs> don't get that twisted yeah so the, the movie is the three actors essentially and it has a lot of great support around it, but it is um, what's her name, Lily? It's Lily Gladstone's Lily movie. Lily Gladstone. She is so yeah. So from the moment she gets good. her first scene in this movie, you're like, oh, this is about her. This is Lily Gladstone's movie. It does t- like the last hour and a half, I think, really sort of disappear from that um, until the end. But it, it is, I think, I think Leo out of the main three had the worst performance. Not that it was good; it was an amazing performance. Yeah, but it was definitely. It was probably Lily Gladstone and then Robert De Niro. And, and honestly, you can make the case Robert De Niro was number one, too. Like, No, I think fantastic. Lily Gladstone's better. I loved the way that she told her character with her eyes. That's such a hard thing to do. It was this brilliant, like, I think in the first scene where they're at dinner, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and um, Lily Gladstone. Uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio has this, like, be- great charisma around him, not the character, but, like, actual Leonardo DiCaprio that a lot of uh, actors aren't really able to handle. And she, like... And like puts him in his place as an actor yep. rather than the character immediately, and it's this like he's trying to get something from her, uh, but but they do sort of enjoy talking to each other. It's, it's it was very interesting, mm-hmm. um, but I thought the best parallel. I mean, the story is all how all of these three people's relationships interconnect in in this horrible tragedy. But 
I thought Jesse Plemons, when he comes in as one of the FBI investigators, um, Tom White, who was originally supposed to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole movie was supposed to be yeah. completely different. It was definitely supposed to be more in tuned of his other films. Yes, it was supposed to be like the beginning, the origins of the FBI and them solving this case. Um, I'm so happy it didn't end up. And Leonardo that. DiCaprio actually was like, you know, I think we're missing something from this. And he goes to Scorsese and they talk about it and, and eventually he agrees to be earnest. Um, and Jesse Plemons has this character, Tom White, this FBI agent, who's this brilliant guy. He's super smart. And just every scene with him and DiCaprio as this like bumbling idiot, at, like at the demise of the character was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Those two together were were personally my favorite part of the movie, I think. Like I, every scene that they were in together was fantastic. Brendan Fraser's in this thing and he's <laughs> like he's got like he three screams. scenes and he's just yelling and it's great. Yeah. John Lithgow too. Yeah. Um, oh, talk about a surprise. I was like, "Whoa." Also, N- F- Nelson Foggy? Yeah, he's just, just <laughs> was in there in the for back. one shot. I was yeah. like, "Whoa. Hello, Foggy." Yeah, he's in a he's in a couple scenes. Mm-hmm. Um no, I, I I really really enjoyed this thing. Um, it's a tough watch. It's uh, it's brutal. It was absolutely brutal. The text of this is so rich. It is so the script is fantastic. There's so much you could dive into, um, and I th- I think to tell the story through the eyes of a white person uh, could have came at its disadvantages, but I don't think it fell into any trap that was disingenuous. It's or not un- the white un- savior not film that people think it is. There's a no. difference between a protagonist and a hero. And I think people are getting that mixed up with this film is that Leonardo DiCaprio is not a hero. He is not a white savior. No, he is a, he's a protagonist. A bum, he's a bumbling idiot manipulated by evil. And then he essentially becomes evil he becomes as evil. his own person. Yeah. And, uh, which I think is essentially what every Scorsese movie is. It's these idiots who have somehow gained all this power and everything gets destroyed. They're just destroying the world. And that's basically every Scorsese movie. And this doesn't hide away from the fact that that's what it is, mm. but it does it in such a new way. I think that this is like the, the, the first movie I've seen like this of its kind, where it tells a story like this through the perspective that nobody expected. Mm-hmm. Like this thing is not, if anybody who goes to watch this movie and says that they thought, oh, that's what I thought that would be, I think they're lying. Like, this is a completely new perspective of a movie that I've seen before. I also think it's smart for Scorsese. Like, this is a passion project for Scorsese. He's talked about this at length, that he's really yeah. wanted to make this he film could, for a long time. He comes on at the beginning of the movie to tell you, like, this is something important to him. And he even ends the movie acting. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little <laughs> bit, because I think there's going to be a lot of people that are a little turned off by that. Um, but I think it's really the fact that he was able to convince two studios, Apple and Paramount, to make a $200 million movie about this certain topic, a small little niche thing that no one really knows about. he convinced Apple and then Apple didn't have the ability to distribute it, so they gave it to Paramount. Shut up, Paramount. From what I believe. Shut up, Paramount. So thank you, Paramount. Yeah, because thank God that this thing has a a full This is the longest movie I think I've seen theatrically. Probably. Uh, it's this or Avatar 2. Could it be the longest theatrical movie? No. Titanic's longer. Really? I think so. No way. Like it's like really close to four hours. But I want to give a shout out, first of all, to a review that I watched right after the film, which really contextualized a lot of this for me, was Native Media Theory. He did a review on Killers of the Flower Moon, and it was sort of his perspective of the film and he just was kind of dissecting everything and a lot of the opinions that a lot of people are holding, like why wasn't this film made through Osage perspective? Why wasn't Osage people like directly in charge of making this film? Yeah. To preface this, we are two white people. Yes, if you don't know. And 
he raised a lot of really interesting points and good points saying, well, if an Osage person was to make this story, who would who would ever budget this? No one. Like who who would it would be a PBS style film. It wouldn't be like a documentarian type of film because no one has the pull of someone like Martin Scorsese. So what better of a way to have someone out there putting a story out there and giving it to everyone and being like, look at look at this, like take it. What better way than have one of the greatest filmmakers ever to be doing that and to be flipping a brand new perspective and story which I didn't know about. I know this is a best-selling book. I never heard of any of this stuff. And for me to be sitting here and digesting this and learning and also like taking in different cultures as well, like it, it doesn't shy away from other stuff. Like they're talking about like the beginning and the way that the film ends. He kind of goes in and describes why it's so powerful, how the film ends the way it does too with them doing the powwow at the end and then zooming out. So Scorsese talks about that with the no mentions of the murder at the end of the film. His specific lines was to talk about that at the end when they're talking about Molly in the life because they 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 did this like, this really strange kind of podcast style like ending like a live reaction like live theater end to the film yeah they end it like a radio show yes a live radio show crime radio show and scorsese comes up on screen and he says that after molly's dead like no one talked about the murders and then to to be a modern day osage community and then zoom out just kind of being like they're still here regardless of all this that happened they're still here is was so powerful and such a just the goosebump ending and, to and the film. And it's a theme throughout the whole movie where they keep saying, you're not going to take us off our line. Yeah. You're not You're not going to do it. It's just subtle, too, in so many ways. And I I loved it. I loved everything about this, if you can't tell, <laughs> that I also, because I didn't say specifically. I, I love the film. I think it's an incredible achievement in not just technical performances, everything else, story, story time wise. I think this is one of Scorsese's best films. And to say that five decades into his career is incredible. I was a little worried coming off the Irishman that oh it just could be another one of that no it this is like one of the most mature thought-provoking depictions of some point in history that needed to be told and I'm glad that I sat there and learned about it because this is a film that everyone should be seeing and it's incredible that it's out there for people to actually go out and watch mm-hmm. now it's super personal to him too like yeah what was the last movie he was even he even had write, writing credits on because he's credited for writing some of this him and Eli Roth wrote it together. Oh, Eric Roth. Eric Roth, not Eli <laughs> Roth. Oh my God, could you imagine Eli Roth writing this? Eric, this is Eric Roth's first writing credit since Silence, so it clearly mattered to both of them. But no, it's been a while since he's written Silence. So yeah, it was the last one that he did. Yeah, this is a. Um, it's an epic. It's um, it's got wrenching. It's heart. It's emotional. So it's what, so emotional. What did you think about the end? What do you think about? Scorsese specifically coming in and talking. Well, I thought that was the personal touch on it. I thought, listen, all of these people, you're not going to get the ending you want. Um, you're not going to get the justice that you think was deserved. Um, and I think they did it in a way where they weren't going to show you it because they just wanted to tell you, like, listen, this is what happened. Um, this is this is how people remembered it through the time. It was through a dumb radio show. Um, and Scorsese has that personal touch to it where he just reads the obituary. I liked it. Yeah. What'd you give it? Uh, well, just before our uh, stars here, any other performances that stood out to you or anything you disliked about the movie? Um, I'm not sure I really disliked anything. I, technically, it's 
five stars directorial all that stuff performances like te- like the technical side yeah. of the film <laughs> you know what i mean uh i thought jason isbell who plays bill smith um which was the the like oh uh, the yeah. guy who marries the sister and then marries the sister again. Yeah, he was yeah. fantastic in this thing yeah and i don't think i've seen him in movies before um and i was he's surprised but but he looks really familiar um he's literally a singer oh very cool. He was he was fantastic, and then uh, Scott Shepard, who played Byron Burkhart, who's a g- great character actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like every scene he's in, he is terrifying. He is the brother of uh, DiCaprio in this thing, and he, every time he's on screen, you're like, oh, this is like a menacing figure, and you don't really know why. He's not really giving you much, but he's giving you so much at the same time. It was fantastic. Every. Uh, every Osage actor, I think they were all Osage actually, because it was shot in the community, right? Mm-hmm. Truly brilliant. There wasn't a bad performance in this thing. Um, and every old person in my theater who laughed at uh, any mention of not the N word, but another N word, or laughed at uh, just people in headdresses or people dancing around, shame on you. You're just a horrible person. That's awful. And that shouldn't it, be it happened every single scene that it was in. And it was there was a funeral scene where the mother walks uh, into the next life and they were just dying, every old person. Why? What, what's funny about that? That's touching. They're wearing a headdress. That's I what guess. I liked about this film is that there was touching parts to it as well. It wasn't like this complete dismissal of this Osage community. It was touching the entire time through the menacing parts because the dialogue and the scripting, like the way that these white people talk to each other and they talked about the Osage community was disgusting because you're hearing them talk like they're literally, they mean nothing. They call them like full bloods. They're like, oh, yeah, like the guy whispered over to her. He's like, oh, yeah, she's a full blood. Like, it's just, it's disgusting, just skin and do, like skin wrenching dialogue that you're hearing. And the thing that is the most uncomfortable to me is how it felt comfortable coming out of their mouths. Like, you, you believed it because it felt like an everyday, normal conversation for these people. And it's the same thing that you can put that in today's society with people talking about certain things or talking about whatever. People do the same thing nowadays, too. Like it, it's no different, and that's why it's so clever because it not only is plays t- to this, it also can reflect in today's society as well for so many different things, and that's just really clever writing. Yeah, um, Tantu Cardinal, Janae Collins, Jillian Dion, uh, William Ballou, who I thought was fantastic in this. He played Henry, uh, Kara Jade Myers. All of the family was phenomenal, just mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Uh, but William Ballou especially was like just one of the one of the stand-up performances. Uh, I give it five stars. No surprise. Okay, honestly, I say no surprise, but I am surprised because you hate long movies. Um, listen, could it have used a little Subway Surfers on the side? <laughs> Maybe. It's disgusting that people are going to be watching this on TikTok. Like, I almost want to <laughs> throw up thinking about that. It's you. You're the one who does that. Oh, damn. <laughs> How dare you call me out like that? Um, yeah, I give this five stars. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Do you have to walk out at any point? Sat through the whole thing. I did, like, and I never have to walk out to go to the washroom. And I was, this is how you know that every scene is crucial, was that I was like, okay, maybe now, maybe now, maybe now I'll be able to go. Maybe not, none, none, not a single scene I could think of to walk out on because it was just all so important and so well done. I give it four and a half stars. I'm leaning more towards five the more I think of it. But if not, it is the highest 4.5 star that I have on the year. So it's like literally right there. You didn't dislike anything about it but you gave a four and a half i know i think the length like i think 
sitting in a movie theater, that's the only way I could have watched this film. Watching this at home, I don't think I could have done it. I, I shudder to think of people sitting on their their couches for three and a half hours watching this movie because they're either going to not watch it in one sitting, they're going to get bored and look at their phone halfway through, or all those other things, which is why I'm so thankful that Paramount actually took this and gave it an actual theatrical release because this is the only way to watch this movie, I think, and be really ingested into this world. Yeah, And I think that that's, to me, that's not a negative on the film, but that's just my perspective on this is that I would like. I don't think I ever also want to rewatch this film as well. I might in the future, but I don't feel like I really want to right now because it just brought me so much angst and sadness. But it's as close to a five as there can be, and it most likely will get bumped up towards the end of the year. I'm just as it stands right now, it's a very, very like it's like a nine point five out of ten. It's so close. Uh, to me, this was uh, emotional, gut wrenching, honest, uh, a beautiful, beautiful movie. The one of the best narratives to a story I've ever seen in theater. Uh, groundbreaking at parts with the way that they told this movie. Uh, three of the best performances of the year for me. Um, it's <laughs> a shame that Downey Jr. is probably going to get it because this is one of the best uh, Robert De Niro performances that I've ever seen. It's between the two of them now. Yeah. It's a two-horse race. Uh, Sorry, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Uh, DiCaprio somehow unlocks this this newer version of all of the characters he plays, where he's some. He's dumb the most idiot. familiar out of the out of him and De Niro, though. I would say, like, I feel like I have seen this version of DiCaprio, and at the beginning, I wasn't fully on board, but as it goes on, he really does get into. Well, something. it is it is very familiar, but he definitely unlocks something that you have not seen from a DiCaprio performance. Fair, I think. And then Lily Gladstone is yeah, because he's um, sad the entire time. He's I just mean, pouting. If, if she doesn't get, uh, <laughs> oh, she's winning. She's winning. I'm. It's not even. Well, is it? Will it be supporting? Yeah, she would yeah. be supporting. She's okay. winning because I, I. If I had to compare it between Margot Robbie and Barbie, I still think Margot Robbie was the better performance. But I think if she's gonna get, she's got a rocket to her back. She is winning. I think she's gonna sweep. Yeah. She's gonna be this year's Kihoi Kwan. She's she's genuinely tremendous in this film. Uh, yeah, this was um, this was one of the one of my favorite movies I've seen these years. So go watch fantastic. it. Go, go watch it and go see it in theaters. I think a three and a half oh hours seems absolutely scary, um, especially for a western crime thriller. <laughs> I was trying to convince Maddie to go see this thing. I think she would have hated it. Um, but you know, personally, it's something I I really like. I tried to show Maddie Mississippi Burning. I don't know if you've seen that movie. No. Um, it's very. It's more about the FBI and and like Mississippi. From the Ku Klux Klan trying to solve something. Uh, I won't tell you a lot about that movie, but it, I thought that movie's fantastic. Um, but I tried to show Maddie that movie, and <laughs> we could not make it through. Um, but no, this was one of one of the best movies I've seen this year. A rare Mike Jose Collins watch in theaters. Never thought I would have heard that on the podcast. Three and a half hour movie too. Titanic's <laughs> only three fourteen, by the way. the The biggest issue for me was the time that the film screened at. <laughs> Like two yeah. thirty in the afternoon, I walked out and it was like still light out, and I was like, "Ah!" Also, I was <laughs> battling if forty-year-old DiCaprio playing a twenty-something-year-old was a little off-putting, but it, it doesn't. It wasn't really. And he's also you, you used to being it. with twenty-year-olds, so it works. Uh, yeah, you kind of <laughs> buy into it. Um, but yeah, fantastic I, movie. I love Leonardo DiCaprio, man. Where the the everyone's gonna miss him when he's gone. He is one of the best. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty decent. Not in my top five, but he's he's a he's pretty solid. I l- good actor. So yeah, go watch the film. I'm glad that you liked it too, because neither I don't think you knew what I, my thoughts on the film were. I definitely didn't know what your thoughts on the film were. I like when we have like a nice agreement on 
a film like this. It's certainly yeah. one of the most important films to come out in the long, yeah, long and time. I, I think a lot of my ratings are based on importance. That's why I rated Barbie so high. And yeah. this movie is also very important. I think a lot of people should go see it. Have you read the book? No, I have not read the book. That's why I, I, I don't want to do any comparisons to the book or anything. No, because well, I, it's, it, not, it's I a different read it medium that. as well. It's not... No, but I think there's an importance because it's, it's a different narrative. That one's, I, I think, more of a true crime, but I don't really want to talk about it because we haven't read the book. So Apparently, Ernest isn't even in, like, he's in the book as, like, a bypassing mention. Like, he's Told not. Told a lot through Molly. Yeah. I might I might read the book now. But the book is more, yeah, I was actually thinking that. I think it's more about the beginning of the FBI, too, which yeah. is sort of the original idea behind the movie that they were trying to do, but uh, fantastic movie. So and is, brilliant. It looks it looks so good, too. It looks too. so good. Greatly. The music, the music that they have at the beginning is so cool and like wickedly fun. And then the like the last ten songs in the movie are just mournful and like depressing and sad. And it's this fantastic arc of like the scenery you see, the people you see, the music you hear to just ah, yep, utter heartbreak. Yeah, I'm glad that you loved it. It's I gonna did. be at the I end. I really did love it. I feel like this is gonna be. Uh, Closer to one on your top ten at the end of the year when we go over the films for this year. It is. It is closer. Hell yes. What else did you watch this week? Oh, okay. You go first. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. Well, today, as I alluded to, I went to the movies and saw a little-known film called Anatomy of the Fall. This is the Palme d'Or winner, this year's Cannes Film Festival. And first of all, <laughs> okay. I want to talk about uh, like what you were saying too, which is the crowd and this guy sitting beside me was out of his mind. Every single line of dialogue, he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, that's the old people in front of me were doing that. They're uh-huh. Like, oh, he's that? Oh. Oh, yeah, no. Like they would be like, oh, he's 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 like on screen. And we're like, I think he's a, he's, your uncle's not going to hurt you. And they'd be like, oh, he's going to hurt you. And I was like, what the hell? I Shut had, up. I know. I, he was like literally rereading lines of dialogue out loud because it's a French film too. So he's reading the subtitles out loud. And like he's just like, oh, oh, like the entire time. And just like seven times people were shushed. I counted seven. And it took him till the last one to be quiet. Also, beforehand in the trailers, there was this old lady in the front too. After every trailer, oh, I'm not going to go see that. Oh, I'm not going to go see that one too. She did to the holdovers. Uh, you know what? Trailers now in movie theaters are way different. Before it used to be like you you wanted to see the trailers. Now it's like I'm still on my phone on the trailer. Like I've seen this. Fair, but she was watching them intently. Mm. The holdovers, she's like, no, Ferrari, nope. Holdovers look sick, by the way. Priscilla, she did not want to see, which I'm not surprised by. <laughs> Priscilla looks good too. Priscilla looks great. I that's the first time I saw the trailer. I haven't seen oh, really? nothing about it. Film looks great. All of it looks good. And I'm not surprised that an old lady doesn't want to see her idol. One time I was in, in the a theater and there's this like person. I was watching The Purge, but there was like sold out, so I was like front row. And like watching a movie front row was already annoying. Mm-hmm. But there's like this kid like two, three seats down from me was just making noise the whole time. Um uh, <laughs> The kid was not in the right state of mind. <laughs> and I felt very bad no. when they were being shushed so much. Mm. Uh, it was sad. It's just, uh, it's just, no one wants to, it's just, it's so glaringly obvious when people are talking or doing so distraction. Like it's just, it's just, it's nothing grinds my gears more than that in the theaters. Yeah. Mm. So how'd you like the movie? Film's great. Uh, it's, Normally, French films, too, especially, I've been burned on a lot in my life because I took a French film class in my 
my university degree and I hated every film that he showed me. So I now have a connotation beside French films for some reason. And I am working to break that connotation. I know, but this film also balances French and English very well. Like there's both like the main character is German. So she, then that plays into her character as well because she was from Germany and then they met in England. So she learned English and then she was forced to go back to France with her husband, forced to go back to France with her husband. So like the middle ground for her was English as a language. So she's more of an English speaking character. Played by Sandra Huller. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's what, she's great. She is literally so good and she's very subtle too, which I really like until the film goes on and on and on. It's about a court case against, um, this family, Sandra and Samuel, and their visually impaired son, Daniel, who've been like living in a remote mountain. And then Samuel finds dad dead, or Samuel is found dead outside. And there's an investigation launched on the wife, even though she's saying that she didn't do it. And the whole film is trying to just like balance this uncertainty of did she do it? Did she not do it? It's kind of a little bit of a, it's not, it's not a whodunit, but the film really focuses on the relationship aspects so much in the second half like it's all courtroom drama for the second half of the like i think it's maybe even more i think it's like 30 40 minutes of like kind of a little bit of backstory you don't see what happens and that's a big part of the film and i think it leaves a lot of other people a little bit disappointed as the film goes on because who does it is not necessarily the most important part of the film it's more about their relationship and why something could have happened, whether it was suicide or a murder, why that could have happened, and the direct relationship between Daniel and all of that. It looks great. There's no score. Huh. <laughs> it's surprising. But it's really, really focused on the dialogue. But it's two and a half hours. I was deeply, deeply interested the entire time. I think the ending is kind of perfect in a sense of why it did that. And kind of the dialogue at the end of the film really explains why it ends that way. I don't want to say it because of spoiler reasons, because this film's not really out for a lot of other people as well. But it's really good. It's I get four and a half stars. I really, really liked it. I think there's a shot for this to be in the best picture in the Oscars next year. I think that Sandra has a clear, clear shot at going up for best actress. But I really liked it. Yeah, Sandra Bullock, <laughs> actually, yeah. No, I really liked it. I think you would like it too. I think this is right up your alley. Okay. So I would okay. add this to your watch list cool um i watched the snowman by oh, thomas God. alfredson you seen this movie no uh detective i know what it is really yeah what is it it's the michael fassbender yeah. film yeah uh his name's harry hole <laughs> his shut name up. is detective harry hole shut up no it isn't Detective Harry Hole investigates the disappearance of a woman whose pink scarf is found wrapped around an ominous-looking snowman. So uh, it's basically like Anatomy of the Fall. The, the movie goes nowhere, gives yep. you nothing, and then just abruptly ends. There's no ending to the movie. It just ends. Nice. There's, they're, they're, it's like they had a whole ending, and they just, ah, let's just end it here. Nobody's watching at this point. Uh, boring, horrible, one of the worst movies I've seen. Um, ever it was actually like just, just bad. I remember the trailer looking uh, really cool too, and then when the reviews came out, I was kind of surprised. But everyone I know hates this thing. Yeah, his name is Harry Hole. <laughs> like that—that's insane. 
One of my friends reviews says, so the GPS signal from a phone can tell you the make, model, and color of the star of the car. This movie is brilliant. <laughs> How many stars they give it? One and a half. <laughs> Dude, it, it's shout out, Matt. It's absolutely b- bod awful. Yeah, I'm never gonna see that movie. Um, Can't believe they got Michael Fassbender and Rebecca Ferguson in that film. Not just yeah, J.K. Simmons, Val Kilmer, Toby Jones. Yeah, no, it's it's it, a star-studded it's cast. It's like they had an idea and then they just didn't didn't do the idea. Cool, <laughs> uh, awful movie. Awful the director movie. of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah. Uh, literally no reason to even talk more about that movie. It's, all right, next bad. film that you saw. Not you. I saw nothing else. That's all you saw. That's all I saw. All right, I saw Murder by Numbers. Murder My Numbers is Sandra Bullock and Ryan Gosling. Uh, Sandra Bullock's a detective, and Ryan Gosling is, um, uh, well, he's a kid and this other kid, and they're uh, very, it's it's a movie about your repressed homosexual feelings, and they they put that out into the world, and they murder somebody because they can't, they can't have sex with each other um, for whatever reason. It's, it's literally just that. Uh, and then Sandra Bullock is like this cop, detective who's trying to solve the, the mystery um, but it's super like early 2000s like the way it looks the way it, it, it moves everything about it is really um, just in 2023 gross to look at because it's just not how movies look anymore and it's just like there's a certain time in the early 2000s where like oh this is the next part but no we just gave up on that because it all looked like really bad Sandra Bullock gets mauled by a thick monkey sorry yeah she gets mauled by a thick monkey in this movie. Like Planet of the Apes thick? No, like a chimpanzee. A thick chimp. Okay. <laughs> um, Did you enjoy that scene? It's kind of wild that they, <laughs> she just gets mauled by a thick monkey in the middle of the movie. But did you enjoy the scene? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, by the way, he's like a kid in this thing, and he is outacting every single person in this movie Every single scene that he's in, he he's far better than the movie. Like he, they they should have paid this guy like a hundred million dollars for the only person who gave a crap about this movie. Listen, Sandra Bullock is hit and miss, um, and she's got a lot of misses and she's got a lot of hits. This one is a big miss for her. Uh, she is a pervert in this movie. Um, she is trying. It's it's supposed to be portrayed like she's a woman taking back her power, but it's portrayed as a predator, and it's not very appropriate. Nice. Um, and it's quite frankly horrible so like Brokeback Mountain but for murderers that's what I gave the review that's what I said no shut up you actually said that yeah (laughs) no way our review was Brokeback Mountain but instead of cowboys they're murderers (laughs) I.O. Ryan's acting in this thing goes crazy dude is outperforming I swear I didn't look at yours Sandra Bullock gets mauled by a thick monkey I'm glad this genre of movie stopped because this was vile two stars garbage I give it two stars okay Uh, then I watched Return to Oz Oh. Which is the sequel to The Wizard of Oz. Just um, for fun? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, as a kid, this scared me, so I thought it was like a horror movie. Have you ever seen The Wheelers? I don't know what that is. Uh, you don't know anything about this movie? No. Okay, so it's Dorothy goes back to uh, Is it the Oz. same actors? Nope. They're, she's younger. Everybody looks different. Uh, it's just so fantastic. Everything is so outrageous and fantastical and just moves in this otherworldly way. The story of it is just in this weird, complex area that you don't really know how to make of a movie. There's like a talking chicken, and all of the characters look so odd. It's an 80s film. Um, and it 
comes across so fun and it's so brilliant and it's just a wonderful treat to watch like uh i remember as a kid this scared me i never wanted to see the wheelers again but watching it now it's like i was amazed so it's not a horror movie it's a scary there's it, like it's actually kind of a scary movie some parts um but it's, it's the things you can get away with in the 80s yeah uh, i'll show you the wheeler scene after but um i won't tell you anything about this movie because i actually like pe- people should go see this movie because it's really yeah i don't know anybody who's really seen that either um but yeah return to Oz, i give it four stars oh yeah really really I uh, liked it. I'll read more. Disturbing and wonderful. An absolute horror show with so much heart and lovable characters. House is sexist. He constantly undermines women and apologizes for men's horrible actions. He's a bad doctor, too. The show might be the worst written show I've rewatched. It constantly adds nothing and offends with how ridiculous and stupid it expects its audience to be. Um, hold on. So I accidentally watched House right after this, and part of my review <laughs> was about House. Um, <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? Listen, House is bad, <laughs> brother. House is a bad show. And season one especially. Super gross, super sexist. Anyway, then I watched the 2012 <laughs> The Tall Man. Uh, is it a movie about you? The Tall Man is Jessica Biel. <sighs> there's like this whole story about this town and there's this tall guy who's stealing kids and stuff. Um, so it is a movie about you. Well, my review was this wasn't about me. Uh <laughs> Uh, it's like Jessica Biel in like a really bad horror movie, but like, again, just another kick-ass actress out acting every single thing in the movie. The movie's dumb, but <laughs> essentially it's like, she was actually the one who kidnapped the kid. That's the twist. She's actually the tall man that kidnapped her. Um, don't worry. Nobody needs to go see this movie. I won't. Uh, but it's also, you ever watch a movie and you know some of the actors are Canadian and it's not because of the way they sound, it's because they're bad actors and you're like, oh, this is definitely shot in like Alberta or something. Uh, and then as soon as people from Corner Gas start appearing in this thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why it's a bad movie. Some people in Canada really can't act and really should stop trying. Did you ever watch Corner Gas? Yeah, I loved Corner Gas. I've never seen it. I watch it all the time. Never seen a single episode. I know they tried to revive it with an animated show. Yeah. Uh, Corner Gas was great. Not really great to rewatch now. Um, but then I watched, uh, I've been watching SNL, and I wanted to talk about SNL last week. Uh, oh, God, going off back. our last podcast, early, uh, like a while ago, talking about should SNL end. Uh, so SNL appeared two weeks ago. I'll talk about the first episode. The first episode was brilliant. It came back in this such a positive way. Everybody a part of it was great. Pete Davidson hosted uh they well, were that's like, why it was good. They were so, no, he was actually the worst part of every single scene he was in. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Pete Davidson had a really bad opening monologue, uh, and then he talked about, obviously, the terrorist attacks going on because his dad died in 9-11, so it felt personal to him to address whatever was going on, and that, that little speech that he did uh, actually didn't air on the version that I watched. Oh. So I didn't even see that, which I was kind of confused by. I don't know. I, am, I only saw it on American platforms. I don't know if, what, if they cut it in Canada or something. Uh, but they did not air the speech in the, uh, on the recorded version that I had. Um, but it was brilliant. And there were scenes, uh, they, it just came back in this fantastic way, and Taylor Swift and obviously Travis Kelsey just made a brief cameo through the thing, so it was kind of cool to see that. Ice Spice was the was the singer, and she was good. But there were the sketches that they did were really funny, for the first time in a while, I was laughing out loud at SNL, 
And there's essentially one scene that Heidi Gardner does, and I'll send it to you after because I think you'll find it very funny too. And I'm like, that's an instant classic. Like that is going to be one of the the 10 years, you know, I got to show you the, 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 I'll show you the scene. But it's truly, it came back in this phenomenal way. And I'm actually excited now every week to put on SNL and watch it. And then Bad Bunny hosted on Saturday. (laughs) And listen, I'm sure Bad Bunny is a great artist. I don't necessarily like a lot of his songs. He is so bad at doing anything. Didn't we just mention Bad Bunny like a podcast ago? And listen, they try, they try. I get that English is not his first language, but they, they are like just asking him to do timing. They're not asking him to tell jokes. They're asking him to be a straight guy in most of the things. And he like forgets his lines. He stumbles through his things. He has absolutely no timing, comedic at all. It's horrible. Uh, thank God his performance was saved by a Shrek bit that he does, which is which is a little funny. But uh, and then they get Pedro Pascal to try to save him. Well, I like the way you said that. that he, yeah, he's in like a couple scenes, and then it's like he's doing really good, but even he can't save Bad Bunny from this. And it was just this horror show. Uh, it was really, really bad. Um, but you know what? Sounds I'm still like excited. I, I think they just really failed with the hosts, and I don't blame any because I think a lot of the scenes were actually pretty well done. A lot of it was in Spanish because obviously he has to speak Spanish. Um, and I think they could have been really funny, but Bad, Bo- Bad Bunny really ruined it. And quite frankly, he ruined me, or he ruined him for me. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to listen to Bad Bunny anymore. I don't want to see him on anything. He's fun in WWE. Yeah. But now if he comes out, I'm going to turn it off. That was the one thing I was going to say is I think he's actually a good wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he's fun. It's because he just, he, you don't have to be an actor to be a wrestler. You have to sell stuff, but you don't have to be, your timing. Yeah, we've seen some wrestlers trying to be. Really, a, yeah, it doesn't necessarily You can be work. a good promo, but it doesn't translate yeah. to acting. Does that surprise you that El, he was supposed to be El Muerte in the Spider-Man spinoff film? Well, I hope not. You're wondering who El Muerte is? He was a one-off character in the comic for Spider-Man once. And they uh, decided to make a film about him. I never want to see him on the screen again. Sorry, well, he got Bunny. fired from that You're film. Well, so. Good, because he was awful. And you know what? In Bullet Train, he was the worst part of Bullet Train. See, I don't. I, his scene's fine. Yeah, because he just he doesn't say anything, and he just goes, "I want to kill you," uh, and then he dies. Yeah, that's, like, that's fine. It. That's fine. That was fine. But you can't carry an entire comedy sketch show, let alone a superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, he, he was just god awful. Um, and then I've been watching Mass Singer. Jeopardy. Was it Robert Downey Jr.? No. Uh, uh, but he hasn't been revealed. Okay. Yeah. You still think it is? Yeah, I think so. The latest person I saw was, uh, well, spoilers for Mass Singer, was Billie Jean King. It was pretty cool. Cool? Yeah. Yeah, that's all I watched. Fair enough. Uh, but you go see Killers of the Flower Moon. That stuff was fantastic. Yeah. Before I give you guys some stuff that's coming out this week that you can also watch, I did want to briefly mention, because we talked about Mission Impossible a lot during the summer, that Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 has been delayed. delayed. This is officially moved from its date of the next summer, which was supposed to be June 28, 2024. It's been pushed back to May 23, 2025. This is because the film has not yet been completed, and the production has shut down because of the SAG after strikes. So they decided to move it off by a year as well. They are changing the name. No longer going to be called Dead Reckoning Part 2, which makes me question, why call it Dead Reckoning Part, part one? 1? 
are they going to just change it to Dead Reckoning? Ten years, there'll be a part two. Because the film's not out yet on digital or... I think dig- it is out on digital, but it's not out for physical. I'm curious to see if they're going to remove part one and kind of try to rewrite that, like the Edge of Tomorrow whole thing when they're saying, oh, it's actually called Live, Die, Repeat now. And like no one bought that. So I wonder if that's going to be a fun little thing. As well, there's been a couple other delays. Is that the next A Quiet Place was also shuffled and moved back two months. That film is completed and is set to come out. It is being pushed out. Deadpool 3 has been delayed and has been moved off of its release date next year and has been replaced by the new Captain America film. And as well, the Hollywood Reporter did mention, just a nice little throwaway line in here, more tentpoles are likely to flee next year if the strike is not resolved in the next few weeks. Uh, Yikes. Boy. You know what could resolve all of this? <laughs> if you paid your actors. Yeah. You paid your writers, which is great. We love that. Grow up. You have one next step. Yeah, you paid your writers. And let's be honest, out of the two, one of those people wrote Shallow Hal. <laughs> I don't know if they should have been first, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love both. Yes. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it just sucks, man. It, it's, it sucks and it's shallow that studios yeah. are just moving things because as a tentpole of a, like a flag down being like, we're not, look what we're doing. You don't come back to work for us. You don't agree with what we give you as the demands. We're just going to keep delaying your films. It's shady. It's awful. It sucks. And it's just Hollywood in a nutshell. Yeah, beans. So even though Apple and Paramount put out that film that we all loved last week, shout out them, but also don't shout out them because you guys still suck for not paying your actors. Movies coming out this week. Not too, too much. Aside from the big one, is it really a big one? Five Nights at Freddy's. Let's go. I'm stoked. Matthew Lillard, Josh Hutchinson. If you don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, where have you been for the last 10 years? Actually, well, it was gone for like five years because no one cares about Five Nights at Freddy's. So maybe this film was five years too late. It is coming out in theaters and Peacock. So if you don't want to watch it in theaters, you can get your Peacock subscription. And what watch is Five it Nights at Freddy's? How do you explain Five Nights at Freddy's? I don't know. I never played the game. Okay. I was old. I was too old for that. It's like... Like, I know uh, it's like a horror... It's a horror game where you're like a security guard and you're supposed to be watching these, like, different animals that are like... They, like, are in, like, a pizza shop. (laughs) And, like, if you let them get too close to you, they jump out and kill you. And that was it. I don't know what the new ones are like because I only know the first one. But... This film apparently has animatronics in it. Oh, very cool. Which is kind of cool. I like that. I'm sure, well, we'll, 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 I guess we'll watch it. Yeah, I am. It's spooky month, so we might as well watch it. It is really only the big tentpole release as well. Fingernails is coming out for a limited release before it gets a full release next week. This is the film that I watched at TIFF with Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmed. So if you want to go watch that film, you can go do that. As for TV, not too much coming out this week. American Horror Story Season 2. Apparently the spinoff got a second season. I didn't even know there was a spinoff until like a couple weeks ago. American Horror Stories, no? Yeah, it's like a Black Mirror version of American Horror Story. So whoever wanted more Ryan Murphy in their life, that's that for you. Been watching that too. Have you? Yep. Is it bad? It's like American Horror Story. I don't know. 
so bad? I don't know. You've never watched American Horror Story. How do you know it's bad? Intuition. It's a weird claim then. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. It's fun. Canadian TV show, Shorzy, season two. Yeah. If you cool. love your Letter Kenny, this is the spinoff. I like Shorzy a lot more than Letter Kenny. I've heard it's really good. I have not seen it. I'm not a huge Letterkenny fan. I watched a couple episodes, and I think I watched actually the full, first full season, and I was like, eh, I'm not too into it, but it looks fun. I'm tired of seeing the same Crave commercial for it over and over again, though, so I'll be happy it comes out so I don't have to see it again. Oh, and I watched Rick and Morty, the first episode of the new season. Yeah, I don't care. It's, it's, nah, it's, I don't it's really bad. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> it was really bad. Rick and Morty. It was Rick and Morty. Really bad. Rick. 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 Rick, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Um. Listen. We can talk about a lot of things on this show. Don't want to hear about your Rick and Morty thoughts. <laughs> Rick, Rick. It was not good. Why is it bad? Why is it bad now, hmm? Because they made an entire episode focused on Mr. Poopy Butthole. And that's better than an episode focused on Pickle Rick. Dude, he turned into a pickle. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. They also split up Rick and Morty nah. the whole episode. It was pretty weird. Their voices are good, though. Voices yeah, sound the good. New, the new ones? Yeah. New voices are good. You can't really tell. Rick sounded a little off at the beginning, and then you got used to it. Cool beans. Yeah. Well, how are you feeling? Good. What? <laughs> you thinking uh, we're at a good space well, to it. end this off? Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to our review of Scorsese's new film, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Jake says it's one of the best Scorsese movies he's seen. I think it's his closest thing to my favorite Scorsese movie, which was Casino. Uh, one of the best movies I've seen this year. Uh, I don't know if necessarily top tier Scorsese though. Mm. I think I think uh, Scorsese is a very his very own style of doing things. This movie definitely deterred from that. Is it one of his best movies? Yes. Is it one of the best Scorsese movies? Very different question. The fact that he has a banger every single decade just says something about his career. There you go. One of the best actors or uh, directors bah. to ever do it. Anyway, this is Cinemates. Follow us. Mike Jose Collins, Jake underscore Schultz 6. This is Cinemates pod all on X, TikTok, uh, YouTube, all of those things. And like and share. And got the spooky podcast. episode next week. Yes, there you go. So look out for that. All, all right. right. Bye, guys. See you.